Welcome in everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a little bit of snark built in. We are a podcast at Burn Orange Nation. You can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at BurnOrangeNation.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at... Longhorn Pod on Twitter, the Longhorn Republic on Facebook and Instagram, or you can shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by a man who has promised to be nice to our guest, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh, I am. I am great. I am. Uh, you know, I, I'm. I'm not like a, an animal who needs to be chained here, Gerald. I can control. Uh, my emotions when when guests come to the door. You know, I, I can. Uh, I can. I can be nice. Because uh, again, if, if all Sooners were like our 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 guests today, I think we um, I think we could have a better relationship, a more healthy relationship. I don't know, maybe not, but uh, yeah, and, uh, this this should be fun. Uh, if you're n- new to the podcast, we're going through our uh, weekly previews of the Texas schedule to get us through to football season, and it's OU week and so we've welcomed one of our we say it every week it's, it's kind of becoming a running gag at this point <laughs> but one of our favorite people on the internet uh Kamiya Mehrabian from the Crimson and Cream Machine podcast will come on and help us out we've got um burnt orange lenses coming at you with the uh, NBA finals some NIL updates some U23 stuff we'll close it out with some Godzilla trying to give you something to tide you over until our next podcast we are a mere Eight weeks away from the first, well, Texas's first weekend of college football. And so we are barreling through our schedule previews. And one of, we say this every week because it feels like it's true. Like every week it's like, oh, here's our friend again. One of our favorite people, uh, Kamiyama Harabian from the Crimson and Cream Machine podcast is joining us to help us preview the Oklahoma Sooners in the big matchup in Dallas, man. How are you doing tonight? Man, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. We are always pleased. You, you know, you're one of the good ones. We, we, we welcome any, any, any sooner. Yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> we welcome any sooner who can have a civil discourse. Of course, we, uh, it's a respectful rivalry. We get, we get angry at each other a week a year and say unspeakable things. But uh, you know, we, we, we can respect the history of the of the programs, the the heated matches, and and you you bring a, a chivalry and civility to this conversation. So I just set you up. Any of your hottest takes now, you got to let them go. It's it's true. Um, you know, one of my things about Texas this year, I'm a little worried about Casey Thompson. You know, uh, <laughs> I uh, I grew up and have been in the OKC Metro uh, for go. the longest time and uh, saw his older brother, Kendall, and then saw Casey go to Southmore and Newcastle. And just looking at just seeing him live in person in high school, I don't know if he's the answer for you all this year, despite what everybody saw him do against Colorado. But I'm sure you guys know way more about that quarterback situation than I do. I heard the other guy was maybe going to get a go at it. It's it's still up in the air, yeah. right? Like anybody that went into the spring game or came out of the spring game with an opinion went into the spring game with an opinion because we didn't see anything from either of them that like created separation. Does that does that give you guys any sort of anxiety heading into this season? 
No, they they always say if you if you have two quarterbacks, uh, two are better than one. I think is the is the saying. So it's it's it, that's yeah. what I hear too. <laughs> the large larger number always wins. Uh, no, of of course we you know after week one or week two we will feel much better when one of them you know solidifies his gra- gra- uh, you know his grasp <laughs> upon the role and averages about. 389 420 those first two games with no interceptions and about 12 touchdowns we'll feel great at that point if those things happen we will feel wonderful as you should yeah as you should (laughs) but until then yes there's a bit Uh, of panic amongst the longhorn faithful yes or just anxiety not panic anxiety the the unease that foreboding i think is the way because we this journey into the unknown of what quarterback that will take the reins from ellinger it's been a minute since you guys didn't have a quarterback with the last with the last name Ellinger, it's like it's through. Well, it's what four seasons since the last quarterback battle. Ironically enough, both quarterbacks have the same numbers as the last one and eleven. Casey changed his number to Sam Ellinger's eleven in the off season, so uh, it may not repeat itself. But history definitely rhymes. We'll see how it goes. Anywho, so we're not here to talk about the Longhorns, even though we'll probably do some of that. We're here to talk about the Sooners, right? Because um, as much as as we talk about the Longhorns, we're we're going through the schedule, and so we want to bring on somebody who knows it way better than we do. And and um, it's it's weird to be complimentary of the the Sooners, but it's hard to to look at anybody in the conference. Um, and if you're going to be complimentary of one of them, it's got to be OU. So again, OU shapes up to probably or undoubtedly really be the best team in the conference. And if things fall their way and again, Texas and Iowa state, maybe a couple of others um, standing in the way, but if things fall their way, they're probably a shoe in for the college football playoff as well. So um, what are like the expectations floating around Norman and, and Oakland? Like what are people expecting? Like, is that the expectation uh, coming out of the crimson nation? Oh yeah, man. Goodness this year, like, you know, every year at Oklahoma, Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley, they'll always say, oh, you're always competing for national titles at OU. And like at some point, that's just lip service, considering what Oklahoma did from 2010 to roughly 2014. They'll always say stuff like that. But this is the actual year that people are saying, if you don't make it to the national title game, this is a failure of a season. I mean, you got Alex Grinch coming to town. This is his third season. And he took a Mike Stoops defense that was like dead last uh, defensive S&P and made them like, I think, top 60 this his first year. Uh, they were about top near top 30 last year, I think. Uh, there's a lot of expectations placed upon the defense. Of course, Lincoln Riley, any of his offensive, any of his offenses come with a lot of expectations as well. Uh, Link, you saw what Spencer Rattler did toward the end of the season. Um Really, their only question mark right now, and it's I guess I, I wouldn't say it's a it's a it's a bad question mark to have. You have a lot of guys in the offensive line that can play, and they have about seven dudes that they're trying to really filter in and out and see who is what is the best combination. And the Texas game, more often than not, is usually the decider between who starts where, and it's usually sometimes not that great of an outcome for the Sooners in that situation. It's like, oh, you have to lose to Texas to figure out you should probably start this guy left tackle and not do it beforehand, <laughs> which is unnerving to say the least. But the expectations are probably the highest they've been, I would say, since 2008. Uh, of course, Longhorn fans and Sooner fans remember that season uh, very well, considering the Red River <laughs> shootout and then who ended up playing in the national title game. 
I'm still hurt by that. Still hurt. <laughs> in, in, oh, in, hey, we're oh. still hurt by Jordan Shipley, man. If OU just takes care of business, <laughs> we don't have any of these problems. Uh, a, a legend for for that game and many more. A, a name uh, Longhorn fans will, will enjoy hearing. We got to sprinkle in those legends because there's there's a lot of scary guys we're going to talk about who will be opponents of UT. But before we get into that offense and that, that that OU offense is usually where you start the conversation. You you pointed it out, and I think it's a really good point that. When you talk about the difference in this team and, and why the expectations are so high, uh, of course, Lincoln Riley is a genius, but Alex Grinch deserves all the credit. You heap some uh, some praise and, and use some numbers to back it up, and I had pulled up similar ones. I went in 2018, OU was ranked 113 in points per drive and 81 in yards per play. I mean, not, not good in any stretch of the imagination. Texas doesn't have a, a, a Mike Stoops to, or a, a, any Stoops, in fact, besides Drake, to rely on uh, to bail them out this, you know, this year. Um, but, I mean, they finished number 28 and 29 in those categories this past year in, in uh, points per drive and, and yards per play. What Under under Coach Grinch, what is the biggest difference in, in what he's doing, and who are the guys that we should really be uh, watching for on the defensive side of the ball? You know, I think Sam Ellinger said it best himself that first year. Um, Mike Stoops, after Brent Venables, took them and tried to make them too multiple. Like, oh, in the Big 12, everybody's playing the spread. Nobody sure really had to stop it yet. It's just getting bigger and bigger, and everybody's more spread out. And they try to be as multiple as possible. Oh, you want to be in a 3-4? You want to be a 2-4-5? Oh, you want to be like in a hybrid 4-3? Sure, go for it. And it was really confusing for the defense. And oftentimes, they would call all their timeouts on the defensive side of the ball, which was, oh my gosh, I could not believe that. But they called timeouts on defense all the time because they just the defensive backs didn't know what they were really doing that well. They weren't being developed. They weren't looking for the ball. They were face guarding. They were getting all these penalties or recruiting five foot nine defensive backs. And then Alex Grinch comes in uh, the recruiting, basically guys that are five foot 11 and taller, long arms. Um, basically you can tie your shoes without bending over sort of defensive backs and really just simplifying the process of, Hey, you've got, Two reads. You make one of the two reads and you go. You make a mistake. You make it at full speed, simplifying the process. They go from a two-gap scheme to a one-gap scheme, so they're just shooting gaps and, and letting the linebackers roam free and getting more negative yardage plays, et cetera, and really helping out their defensive backs saying, hey, instead of the offensive linemen, when they snap the ball on offense, instead of the defensive linemen catching and deciding which gap they should jump through, which – delays the response of the linebackers, which will delay the response to the defensive backs. They're just saying, dude, just shoot the gaps and then we'll let everybody else take care of business. And that's really what you saw. It's just a simplification of the defense. And then talking about names that I think Texas folks would want to know heading into the season, Perry and Winfrey, he's number eight on the defensive line, nose tackle. Uh, he's a Juco guy. And we thought maybe he would be a, kind of a nice guy on the on the line last year and he turned out to be more than nice uh like all-american level uh you've got jalen redmond coming back he took the year off for covid uh so he will kind of replace what ronnie perkins did and he he's kind of like one of these big time names out of oklahoma midwest city guy uh they've got a ton of linebackers that are like actually legit now uh which is really nice you go from tim kish with Mike Stoops to now Brian Odom, who's very familiar with the Odoms in uh, Missouri. And he's coached up the linebackers. I mean, I mean, a big 12 media days a couple of years ago, Kenneth Murray was sitting there saying, Hey, you know, like, why'd you cross the red river? And he's like, Oh, I wanted to win games. And then I said, well, wh wh 
what's what's different between Tim Kish and, and Brian Odom? And he's like, oh, man, it's night and day. So I was thinking to myself, why? What what was happening then and what is happening now? Simplification of, of the defense. You've got guys like Perry and Winfrey in there now. And you've got guys actually looking for the ball when the ball is thrown. It's unbelievable what can happen when you stop face guarding and you look in the air when the quarterback has thrown the ball. So Woody Washington's a name I'd be aware of. Perry and Winfrey's a name I'd be aware of. David Aguebu's a name I'd be aware of. I mean, of course, I think Texas folks are aware of David Aguebu um, and uh, several others. Yeah, there's they, They've got a lot of playmakers now that they definitely didn't have three years ago. I mean, I did, I did a write-up on this the other day, and I think their linebackers are like on average five to six inches taller now than they were six years ago. I wow. think their DBs are about uh, four or five inches taller and about 15 pounds heavier than they were about five years ago. So just body types too, getting them in the system and simplifying the defense. So I'm long-winded, sorry. No, it's great. And when you said tackles for loss or creating havoc in the backfield, I had like a like a PTSD moment of last year's game. I think it was like 10 or 11 tackles for loss in that game. Like it was just hell in the backfield for Ellinger and the running backs. It was just absolutely like I'm still shaking a little bit. Yeah, if if Spencer Rattler would have just calmed down in the first half, <laughs> I wonder how much different that game would have been. But oh, that was a, such a fun game. I mean, like I wanted to throw up the entire time in, in the in overtimes, <laughs> but that was such a fun game after it was all over. It was like, oh, Perry and Winfrey blocked a field goal. Oh, he's going to win. And then they just shanked it or they got theirs blocked or something. And oh, what a what a fun game. If you, if you were a neutral, I could imagine that was a fun game to watch. If you were either a Sooner or Longhorn fan, it was pure anxiety uh, t- till, the, till the end. I'm surprised you didn't mention Nick Benito, the only name there who I just expected to hear. Because, I mean, there's a lot of names. I understand how you might forget one. But that's that's the point, right? This OU defense just has a lot of dudes. And, and for the first time, it seems like any of them can line up in, in the scheme and, and do the thing. That's a great point. Like Nick Benito, I mean, the guy that get, that got overlooked so many times, he was an All-American in a several different kind of publications, and then he couldn't be a first-teamer in the Big 12, which everybody thought was kind of like befuddling. Um, but he kind of plays that rush-edge position, so he's not necessarily a pure will. Uh, so I, I think that's maybe what kind of gets him there occasionally. Um, but, yeah, Nick Benito, oh, my gosh, him um, – Perry Winfrey, Jalen Redmond, Ronnie Perkins, all those dudes, they they were just creating all kinds of pressure, havoc in the backfield last year. And then Ronnie Perkins is in the NFL, but now you bring back a Jalen Redmond, and then you're returning pretty much everybody else on the defensive line. So, uh, And you're returning Caleb Kelly for like his sixth year at linebacker. <laughs> and, dude, it's they have so many bodies now. Like they've actually developed depth, which is not something you really saw under Mike Stoops. You saw a lot of true freshmen playing and, it's just a totally different feel right now. The offense, everybody expects to put up points. Now it's to the point where, oh, they're going to rely on their defense. And late last season, you saw them rely on their defense quite a few times, especially that conference championship game against Iowa State. Like fourth and three, they said, nah, we're going to kick yeah. the field goal and rely on the defense to get that stop. And they they turned, they turned forced an interception. They, they enforced that turnover. So just completely different night and day from 2000 and what was your Kyler Murray was there 18 yeah yep completely night and day difference between Kyler Murray explosive offense and the defense just lets you down the entire time to now the offense is they're also really good but the defense can actually do stuff for you too 
I mean, I literally put it on Twitter when I was prepping for this. That, like, that 2018 team, if Alex Grinch shows up a year earlier, they probably have a national championship in Norman. And, it, like, it makes me sick to my stomach to say that out loud, but it's absolutely true. Like, it's super dumb. But you, if Oklahoma's you meant- defense is even average, if Oklahoma's defense is even average within the last, what, since 2021, within the last six years, they might have two more national titles under their belt. Maybe maybe only one, but they would have, yeah, man. And, and this is the last thing I'll say on that, and then we'll keep it moving along. But the reason that we actually value you as our main rival is you aren't putting that in your stadium as an almost national championship that would have <laughs> counted if... We won't talk about who that is, but a uh, different shade of <laughs> crimson slash maroon. But, uh, Gerald, I, I, I know you were moving us forward. It's all good. It's all good. So um, you mentioned Spencer Rattler a couple times. We talked about quarterback play. And so um, it looks like Lincoln Riley might just have his next Heisman quarterback in, in Spencer Rattler, right? He's odds-on favorite to win the the Heisman. He came on big last year. Again, it may just be you know Vegas trying to get some free money out of people, but the, the hype is there, right? Whether or not he's you know gonna win the Heisman or not he's very already shown people why he was what the number 260 recruit all time according to like 247's composite right so like if Heisman is probably not a fair expectation for a sophomore but like what is a fair set of expectations for Spencer Rattler I don't yeah I think the Heisman talk is a little bit much I think people just see the writing on the wall with Lincoln Riley and all the quarterbacks that they've ever had under Lincoln Riley and they're saying hey They've got a decent offensive line. They've got several five-star receivers and running backs and whatever. He should be able to make it work. I think the 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 expectation is probably 2000, and I know this is like com- comparing two different skill sets, but probably a jump that Baker Mayfield made from 2015 to 2016. Um, just really knowing that offense, really... Yep. Because he's he's sound. He his his arm talent, his arm strength, his ability. He is sound there. I mean, I, I've said this several times, and it's true. If Spencer Rattler enrolls early at OU and he ends uh, ends up in Norman in January and not in the summer, Jalen Hurts does not transfer to OU. Uh, Spencer Rattler is making throws in practice. Jalen Hurts still can't make in the NFL. Okay, <laughs> um, he just has that. He just has that arm talent and ability. But if he has it between the between the ears, uh, and that's like the playbook, and also not just the playbook, but just the freshman jitters and whatever that you saw last year against Texas, Lincoln, yeah. he's gonna say he was hurt. Lincoln Riley needed to settle him down. That's legit what it was. Oh, yeah. And so if he's got it between the ears, if if he's got it all down, then you're looking forward to like a next step in his progression as an elite quarterback. We all know he's got the talent. We all know he has the arm talent and the ability and the want to. It's does he have it there mentally and um, maturity wise? And I'm not too worried about the maturity thing. He won't have maturity issues. He's not going to be like, you know, in Arkansas getting tackled by the police with like tacos and Asian food on his hoodie. That's not Spencer Rattler. Um, it could, but, could be raising canes though on his hoodie. Could be raising canes. Yeah, I might get a little cane <laughs> sauce. Uh, but uh, but it's it's maturity on the field. Uh, I don't I don't view him as a Baker Mayfield kind of leader on the field. I think he might let other people do that. But the next step looks like, hey, make the reads, make the progressions. Don't hold on to the ball so much because last year, my goodness, you saw him hold on to the ball, trying to make a play downfield too many times. Killed him against against Iowa State. 
And that's a team you don't want to do that against. They just sit down there and like in cover four and quarters and then just let you make mistakes. And they have too many good defensive players to do that. Um, so really, it's just maturity throughout the game. And if he gets that down, it uh, could be pretty, pretty scary for the rest of the Big 12. I mean, he kind of reminds me of uh, Pat Mahomes before he figured it out at Tech. So, I mean, you think of Lincoln Riley, you initially think of quarterbacks, but in spite of obviously gaudy quarterback statistics during his time, running backs have always played a huge role in Riley's offense. And OU certainly has some dudes. Um, Kennedy Brooks is back after missing 2020. Uh, Marcus Major adding Eric Gray, who a lot of people said was the top portal get out of Tennessee running back. Um, what is this in your estimation? Obviously, you'll f- figure it out or as the team figures it out. What does that work workload look like to you as far as a split? Is is one guy stepping up to be the, the main guy? Is it going to be multiple guys getting touches? What, what does that running back room look like? Man, that's, that's really interesting uh, because Oklahoma worked the crap out of the portal, especially for those Tennessee guys. I mean, yeah, heck, yeah. they got three of them. Key Lawrence, uh, Wanye Morris, and Eric Gray. They got two running back transfers, and I'm pretty sure one of them pretty sure one of them came off of the idea that Seth McGowan and the three players that are no longer there because they are <laughs> charged with felonies. Um, one of them, they got two running back transfers, one Eric Gray and the other was uh, Trey Bradford from LSU as well. And I think people are totally forgetting Kennedy Brooks. I mean, like a lot of people in the Big 12 are forgetting Kennedy Brooks because, yeah. I mean, he rushed for a thousand yard seasons his first two years at OU, then took the year off due to COVID, uh, just like Jalen Redmond. The guy was like number one in the country both years off tackle, um, yards gained off tackle, but also yards after contact off tackle. And like that's all OU does really is a GT counter, and they love to run off tackle. And so he's he's a guy, Kennedy Brooks, he's a guy that he's not like a sexy pick. He's not going to make you miss in the open field. He's going to catch the ball. He's going to block pretty soundly. And he's going to be a guy like, you know, out in Madden or NCAA where like you're about to run into a pile of people. You can just press up on the right analog stick and just like huddles over the ball like that. That's what Kennedy Brooks, every, that's what he does every single time. So he's not really a threat to fumble the ball either. Um, but a lot of people seem to think that Eric Gray is just going to get like 85% of the touches. And I could see plenty of situations where Oklahoma goes, you know, three wide uh, with a tight end. And then Eric Gray and Kennedy Brook in the black and Kennedy Brooks in the backfield at a split back set, and then eventually just motioning those out those guys out wide and being five wide. Um, I could see that that running back room being split like 40-40-20 between Brooks Gray and then whatever H back fullback or running back get, gets the other touches, because like you said, people liked especially when Lincoln Riley was hired at OU. People were like, oh oh. It's to Texas Tech North. They're going to be air raid again. They're never going to win another national title. And it's like the most annoying thing because they've had thousand yard rushers for years and years and years. Um, and so the running back, the running game is super important and just holding on to the ball. So I would expect a 40 40 20 split. Uh, Eric Gray is going to get a lot of playing time, especially in games when they want to bust it wide open. But Kennedy Brooks, he's a guy that people just are sleeping on for some reason. Like I, I've talked about it in my most recent podcast. Like I don't know why. People are like sleeping on Kennedy Brooks, but the slander needs to stop. I don't know if it's slander or if just people like the people sitting out from COVID. You just forget about guys like that. I was I was researching it. and I was like, oh, yeah, they had Kennedy Brooks like legitimately as I was getting ready for this. I was like, Oh, 
that's that sucks for me, but I'm sure OU fans are happy about it. I think it's like an out of sight, out of mind sort of situation, right? I put my son's annoying toys on top of the fridge. Same deal. Like you just forget <laughs> it's there, and then one day you bring it down, and you're the best, you're the best parent in the world, right? Uh, so you you mentioned OU hitting the transfer portal really hard, and they did that on the offensive line as well. Where you know I think Creed Humphrey finally graduated after being a member of the class of '99. I think was what it feels like. Um, <laughs> but they picked up Wanya Morris from Tennessee. Uh, Marquise Hayes is back. So there there's Bill Beanbaugh is like probably top three offensive line coach recruiter in the country. It's like, Oh, you doesn't have, doesn't lack for dudes at the offensive line. So like, what's that group going to look like? And, and how is, OU going to replace a guy who's kind of been a cornerstone since I don't know. None of us had facial hair, you know, and speaking of the offensive line, uh, I'm, I'm sorry for Texas's most recent offensive line recruiting over the last year and a half. It's not been very fun for you guys. So I, I hope that gets better because better OU Texas games means more uh, more limelight on the conference. But uh, <laughs> Herb Hand, great pants, terrible recruiter. Call it. <laughs> <laughs> it's but uh, it's 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 a good question. That's that's the main that's the main question mark for me and a lot of others heading into the season is, man, what does that offensive line look like? Because Creed Humphrey, that dude, started freshman year to junior year and then they turned him loose and said all right you know go to the nfl he you know he's like oh i might want to try to go to come back to ou to win a national title that's you know that's lip service of course that's what you want to say but it looks like they're gonna go at another redshirt freshman another okay preps guy at center and andrew rame highly highly uh qualified and talented guy at a broken arrow high school uh to me he should have been a five-star guy He's got it between the ears. He is super smart, so intelligent. Uh, but the dude is a mauler. He wants to get down and like punch somebody in the face. And like you said, on the offensive line, Wanye Morris, uh, former fresh uh, freshman, all the SEC team uh, at a left tackle. I think he's a shoe in at that left tackle spot because Oklahoma, they've been they've been kind of lacking on the tackle spots a little bit. And that's saying a little bit something because their offensive line has been better than several off other offensive lines in the country for the last however many years with uh, Coach Bo Beatenbo. Um, then you look at left guard, Marquise Hayes. The guy is really mean, but he gives you 15-yard penalties like they're candy, like just stop after the whistle, bro. Tyrese <laughs> Robinson is coming back as well, which I was surprised about. Both guards coming back in, Marquise Hayes and Tyrese Robinson, I was very surprised that they both came back. Um, both guards are back. And then you're kind of looking at right tackle. Is it going to be Eric Swenson, who's had several like shoulder surgeries that can't stay healthy? Is it going to be Anton Harrison, that guy that's, that played several games last year? He kind of like him and him and Eric Swenson spelled each other. It was kind of weird. Is it going to be Bray Walker, a former five-star guy from Southmore and former uh, teammate of Casey Thompson? Uh, is he going to start at right tackle? Um, or is it going to be some... Um, unknown is it going to be the transfer from UCLA? Who was a Pac-12 All-American? But I mean, who's really respecting a Pac-12 All-American? Do they really play <laughs> football out there? Uh, so Maybe like you got about <laughs> you've got like eight guys that you can pick and choose, and so it's really like right now it's what are the best five guys? What's the what is the collection of talent that you have? What's the best product you're going to put on the field? And then how fast can you get it on the practice field to start getting in reps? Because that's gonna it's not going to really matter the first few games of the season. I mean, 
Tulane, Western Carolina. Nebraska's a fun one because they've got a pretty decent front seven. And then you go to Big 12 play. And so basically, like, you have TCU, I think, right before Texas. I can't remember if it's TCU or, or K-State, but either one is not usually that great for OU. Um, and uh, so that's the main question is, like, can they get these guys and their ducks in a row? Because last year, like most, went home for COVID, came back 30 pounds overweight. They were sluggish. It was bad. And they didn't round into form until really that Texas game last year when, when TJ Pleasure had a pretty okay game against the Longhorns. And so, like, I'm just <laughs> I'm hopeful that they get it figured out in non-con so we don't have to worry about this. But that's the main question mark. Um, it could be, I mean, like, Bill Beatenbo has a lot of leash. He's got a lot of leash on that. Uh, but if they don't start getting to get it, getting it together prior to the Texas game, I wonder if how short that leash will be um, in years down the road. I mean, as, right. as someone who watches offensive line recruiting closer than anybody else, feel free to feel free to cut him loose, please. Like, get him out of there. I'm great with it <laughs> if you get rid of that guy. Somebody who loves watching offensive line recruiting, it's fine. Get him out. Great. Shorten that leash. <laughs> cut it. Let him run. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, and it, it's it's wild to see, especially after like I mean, like the NIL and all that stuff. It just really seems like the big time programs, um, in like the, with name recognition, are really just killing the recruiting game, especially with the NIL. Like Texas has a lot to offer. It's Texas. They've got Austin. It's a lot of stuff there. It's a great city. And besides the fact that it's UT, um, <laughs> you know, and like like the the most the most recent offensive line commit for OU and Jake Taylor. I mean, the guy had the guy was deciding between Notre Dame, Bama, and OU, and these are the three. I think it's like three of the four last. You know, uh, oh, what's the offensive line award winners? I can't remember what that award is. The Outland, is. The, is that the yeah, Outland? the Outland Trophy, I think, or something like that. Uh, those are like the three major ones of like, hey, or is it not? Is it the Outland or the Remington? I don't know. There's so many. Remington Center. Uh, Remington's a center. Outland awards. is interior lineman. There's there's too many awards. There are. I don't know, but regardless, like everybody's like boiling down to the top notch programs and name recognition. So it's just really interesting to see how that's going to shape out over the next year too. How did Texas <laughs> folks take the the Jacob Sexton commitment video? I loved it. I, you know what? Like the, the rivalry is all about pettiness. I'm I'm down for it. Like I would have honestly, I think you could have landed the plane a little bit better if you flipped the sign upside down and then turned around and dropped the horns down. I would. I think you could have landed the plane a little bit better. But it it was especially because Texas was like in his recruitment for a little bit, and then when OU really started to push, he kind of trailed off a little bit. So um, I liked it again. It's that's what college football is supposed to be about. Like fun, poking fun at your like friends. Like it's a respectful thing. I I I loved it. I thought it was hilarious. There was a time that like pretty much me and a lot of other folks are like, oh Sexton, that dude's gone. He's gone. He's he's gonna be wearing burnt orange. And then like a week and a half switcheroo turnaround. Next thing I know, I see that video and I was like, wait, hold up. First of all, that's kind of cool. That's petty. I appreciate it. (laughs) But at the same time, I was thinking, man, that must really like really suck for for uh for you guys over it's, down there it's a it's a it's a rivalry it's well it's a rivalry right like it, it sucked to lose him but it, it, no one's gonna be mad that he's doing that he should be doing that the way you know as much as you you hate him or love to hate him either way the way that uh, a certain nfl uh headband bearded quarterback likes to still talk trash like he's 19 like i get it it's a rivalry you hate here and that's that's what makes it you know makes it great gerald and i are both on record as saying like we laugh every time people get like very seriously upset about the horn sound i don't understand why it actually chafes people it's just like 
great. We're on your mind. You know, you think of us all the time. Your hands just naturally, you know, go to want to be like us. You know, I get it. You just you, you invert it. I understand <laughs> it. Uh, you know, the Aggies even have their own hand symbol and still do it. But anyways, it, it doesn't bother us that much. There's often karma behind it for for other teams when the horns down goes, something bad happens. So it's it's worked out relatively well. But uh, you know, good for him. We love Keandre Coburn because he talked best before he even played a down about OU like that. that you, you win yourself over to your fan base. So I, I don't hate it at all, him doing that. And it just, you know, it doesn't mean that much uh, to me other than, okay, here's a guy I can hate since uh, since your diminutive Lilliputian cornerback, Radley Hiles, has, has left for uh, for the West Coast. But uh, let, let's put a kind of a, a pin with one last question in here. So we've talked all the positions, or most of the positions. Um, we, we, we've talked in some depth. If there's anything else you want to add, feel free. Go in deep. But I just kind of toss up a softball. For you, what's the storyline that you're watching foremost through this year? And, and what's, you know, what are you thinking is the, is the biggest key to getting to where you wants to be this year? Oh, man. Um, I think the storyline of this year is can Oklahoma deliver what they are supposed to deliver, which is they there should be no reason – they don't run through the conference and make it either one loss or unscathed. There should be no reason. They're returning like 22 guys that have starting experience from last year. Um, And the majority of those dudes are like young guys. Like Marvin Mims was playing in his high school body last year. Woody Washington had like one, like half an off season. These dudes are like, they, they were quality contributors. They're getting bigger. They're getting faster. There's no reason why they should not run the table, but Texas is there. K-State's there. TCU is there. And they're like underrated this year, I feel like. Oh, um, oh, so yeah. that's that that's 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 my storyline is can OU finally deliver on it's about time they won another national title or just get to the dang thing. Um and then I I guess what I'm looking at is when the team kind of starts to get ahead, because we saw this early on last year. When the team got it in double digits, they were ahead of Iowa State and Ames by like 10 points, and they blew it. They were ahead of K-State and Norm by 22 points, and they blew it. They were ahead of Iowa State by two touchdowns in the Big 12 title game and almost blew it. So have they learned how to win? And when the stuff gets real, are they willing to put up and fight and actually go win the game instead of like whining and kind of moping around because you start to see like their body language kind of hunch over like, Oh, here we go again. Like hopefully the defense will save our butts and have they grown as leaders? Have they grown as winners? That's what I'm really looking for. And also if Lincoln rally starts to get cute and like does double reverses and squib kicks and all that other bull crap when he should just be running the ball that too, that'll I'll be looking at. But the storyline for me is, or can they do what they should do? I appreciate you self-censoring there. We've got Levi in four weeks, and I have to edit. I have to beep him out every couple of moments, which is why we love Levi, but I appreciate that. Uh, we've gotten through all the real stuff. This is really why people come to this co- this this podcast and these conversations. So we had a terrible name uh, last year. I don't remember. Kyle came up with it, and it was awful. So we, we changed it up. It's called <laughs> Shooting from the Hip. Uh, and so we just want to shoot a couple questions at you to see your quick responses. So... If you had to create, we did our Mount Rushmores through through COVID. We had to create some sort of podcast contest. We did Mount Rushmores, and we want to we want to hear from you, your Mount Rushmore of most hated Texas players. If you had to come up with four most hated Texas players, all time, all time. 
Oh, man. Most hated Texas players of all time. I can tell you that... Um, oh, he's not really hated, but I'll throw him in there just because it's fun. Uh, Roy Williams, a receiver, ooh, because ooh. at one time in the Big 12, there were three Roy Williams, and we all know who, which one was the best, and he was the one in Crimson and Cream. Well, Roy Williams, the receiver, yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh I think I think uh, Jordan Shipley would probably make that Mount Rushmore just because I would like to say that. Did you guys also know that Shipley and the McCoys were teammates? Because I only heard it about 50 million <laughs> times back then in, in the early <laughs> thousands. So that's great. Um, other hated Texas folks, man. I just he's not a player. I just really freaking hated Tom Herman. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and you guys might feel the same. And that's Welcome okay. to the club. Welcome to the club. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> it's like, because I remember before the first time I ever met Tom Herman, one of my buddies said, you're not going to like him. He thinks he's the smartest guy in the room and he's very smug. I was like, well, he, he's a college coach, whatever. And then I met him and then he talked and I was like, this dude sucks. He is the most <laughs> smug dude. And I hate this guy. And he does think he's the smartest guy in the room. Uh, so I throw Tom Herman on that one just because, uh, but I think a lot of people, including Texas fans, like you guys suggested would be there for that. Um, you know, I don't really have too many Texas folks that are really disliked. Cause I liked, I actually liked Colt McCoy. Uh, Vince Young broke my heart, but not because, and that's not because I didn't like him. Um, I always appreciated how good Ricky Williams was. Uh, feel free if it helps you. You can add basketball, baseball, any other sports. If there's a certain nemesis, I don't, I, I know that changes the thought pattern here, but I want to help you out. Oh, let me go this one. And I don't believe, and this might be somber, Cedric Benson is no longer with us. Yes, correct, correct. So it sounds really bad of me to say that, but he stole Adrian Peterson's Dope Walker <laughs> Award during his freshman season when he should have won the Heisman and the Doke. And uh, rest in power to Cedric Benson. He did have a good NFL career, and he did have a good career with the Longhorns. But just for that, on my Mount Rushmore of hate. Fair enough. He's a man who's been uh, memorialized and eulogized in many different ways. But I, I think fittingly, having the, the OU podcast of note, putting him on their Mount Rushmore most hated, somehow is a, is a fitting tribute. Uh, that, that means you've done well in your time on the 40 acres for sure. All right, that was a good answer. Now, this one should be easy, but I'm just curious. So um, rank for me out of... Oklahoma State, Texas, Nebraska. I mean, you tell me. Any anyone uh, you can add in there who I've forgotten. Who do OU fans, or maybe just just you? Who do you view as this is our number one rival? This is number two, or whatever. Who who are your 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 biggest rivals? Because you you could set the internet ablaze with with your answer to this one. Texas is always number one, always number one on the list. Most hated, got to beat them uh, once a year. If OU lost all their games but beat Texas, and I'm sure if it was vice versa, it'd be the same. The fans would be unhappy, but they would be very happy with that win and be like, well, at least we beat Texas, and then vice versa, well, at least we beat Oklahoma, we got the golden hat. That game is so important to both fan bases, not just for the Red River shootout rivalry, whatever you want to call it, um, for, whatever, yeah. for bragging rights. Hey, it's important for recruiting as all hell gets out. And uh, that that game is so important. And like, you know, you know, because like 
in the modern era of football, basically since World War One or two, I mean, OU in Texas has been a very competitive series and you've had coaches that have, you know, Barry Switzer wore a beat Texas hat, you know, <laughs> you don't get that at OU Oklahoma State when you've won like 98% of the series. So oh, like Oklahoma State, their little brother to me, does I don't even really view them as a rivalry. Like it sucks to lose to them because you're like, you shouldn't have lost to those guys. They're little brother. Uh, whereas Texas, oh. no matter how bad Texas is every year, I still get nerves because anything can happen. Texas still recruits well. Texas still has good players. They may not have the right coach to get them in the right scheme, a la Tom Herman, but <laughs> they still go to battle every single year. And so Texas is number one. Nebraska has lost its luster just because when the Big 12 split in divisions, they put Nebraska up north and Oklahoma down south, and they didn't protect the rivalries. So, like, millennials, even, like, millennials, we don't really care too much. Like, we think it's cool. Like, oh, yeah, there's history there. But, like, the people before Gen X and Boomers, they're, like, really excited about this, you know, anniversary of the game of the century. But it's lost its luster over time, especially – when Nebraska was in the conference and OU just beat the hell out of them with Callahan or Polini was there or whatever. And then before they exited the conference, OU sent them off with a loss to the Big Ten. And so Nebraska, not so much. I mean, like, technically Missouri is a rivalry, but it, it's not a rivalry. I mean, OU, I mean, most fans would only really say, hey, Texas is the rival. They are the one. OSU is the one you have to shut up late in the year. That's I, that, that's what I think how you would kind of phrase it. All right, I, I like that. Thanks for clearing that up. I've I've I, I assumed as much. I always wanted it answered. So all right, now we're in a we leave Nebraska. We leave those Missouri. We leave the things behind. We looked at the future. So something has recently happened in college sports, which is you know threatening to shake it up and change it as we know it. But it's very interesting going on right now. The name and name and image likeness i joked earlier about we actually both of our two teams best players or superstars are now uh signed to to raising canes with Bijan and, and spencer rattler eating eating healthily but um if if uh if you had to pick any all time if this would have existed in the history of ou sports what's your number one dream name and image likeness matchup between a, a sooner of, of of any period any sport and uh, a partnership business chip business oh man i think this name image likeness stuff is like three years too late for <laughs> kyler freaking murray can you imagine because like it's like Bo all again the dude, like they even did, they even posed that picture of him in the shoulder pads and the, in the baseball bat. Like you don't know Bo. It's like that stuff right there that Kyler Murray just missed. I mean, like, let's be honest. These are two of the blue bloods that get great talent year in and year out. They're getting paid in some ways, <laughs> regardless of name, image, likeness, to get to those institutions. <laughs> Nobody's like, nobody is like surprised by that. And if you are, like, wow. <laughs> um, but man, I think you could have marketed Adrian Peterson like crazy to Nike. Uh, you, like Kyler Murray, gosh, that dude. You could market him like crazy for a variety of reasons. And Baker Mayfield, I mean, my goodness, same thing. You know, walk on at Tech, wasn't going to get a scholarship, goes to OU, wins a Heisman. Like, you can market him like crazy, too. So, like, I just – I feel bad for the guys that just missed the cut. Um, and then I wish, you know, if it was, if this was Oregon, you know, 
we could all just give them Nike contracts and just let it, like, let them turn, turn loose. But, you know, I'm not too sure about what made in heaven kind of endorsement deal would really work out too well. But I think that Kyla Murray and Nike would work, work out just fine. I, I have a, I have a natural one for you for the past 11 years. They've served uh, during the NCAA basketball tournament as the official ladder that they used to cut down the nets. That's Werner ladder. So Kyler Murray, uh, not the tallest of gentlemen and Werner ladders as the <laughs> name. Sorry. I had to get one shot in. Got it. <laughs> I mean, like Brett Bomar could be sponsored by red, uh, big red sports and imports. And we'd never have a scandal. Have a scandal. <laughs> and we would never have talked about it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I was not that they weren't that already doing that. <laughs> it's it's fine, and if you can lay off the Oregon stuff, that's still a, a sore subject for uh, book. Jacob Sexton was bookended <laughs> by a couple of Oregon misses, and it's it's fine. It is what it is. I'm, it's it's fine. I I mean I'm 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 still eating my feelings, but it is what it is. So uh, we're gonna end it with this one. Uh, I want you to say one nice thing about the University of Texas. What's one nice thing you can say about the University of Texas? The University of Texas has a great 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 name of their stadium love that name <laughs> daryl royal uh as most would know he would be a former sooner player uh love that stadium name it's great uh but no uh, state, uh texas tradition it's fantastic i like mac brown a lot um and i'm sure like, like a lot of people li- liked him uh, especially a lot more once charlie strong and um and uh what's a space were there uh, but no, yeah, the great tradition, Texas fight. That's cool. Uh, the horns up. That's kind of like really unique to, 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 to call football in general. Um, but the stadium name is the best one. Yeah. That's <laughs> Fair, one. Enough. Fair, that's enough. The Fair one. enough. I'll allow it. I love it. So uh, we appreciate you taking some time out, man. If people want to get more of what you've got to offer, where can they find you on the internet? Uh, they can find me on twitter at camerabian ccm uh, you can just go to crimson and cream machine.com and literally just go to the about and you can see like pretty much my twitter my email my whatever um yeah you can find our podcast uh crimson and cream machine and it's all there we really appreciate it man thank you so much again guys check him out he's he's one of the good ones like we, we've said it before we'll say it again he is one of the ones we we absolutely um love to, to tolerate it it we were we were talking to we were talking to micah from cowboys ride for free about this the other day like this is one of my favorite podcasts to come on yearly it's such a good time i enjoy this every year we like to be accommodating hosts uh apparently much like our football team of 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 late but uh (laughs) we it's never it's never a dull time that's for sure we always appreciate it and we will do it again uh in the future for sure yeah man all right so after all of that uh crimson discussion uh let's let's get it back burnt orange here folks let's take a look at the world through some burnt orange lenses um starting off the olympics are coming up we've been counting down the football season a few weeks out from that but even shorter we have olympics in in about two fair weeks uh this podcast will will come out uh when you're listening to it on a thursday uh which means a week and a day before the the opening ceremony of the 2020 kind of slash 21 Tokyo Olympics, we promised and we will have a final UT athlete rundown. There's something like 15, 18, 20 uh, of those across track, swimming, diving, basketball, men's and women's um, all over. So we'll give you a rundown of who to watch for that. But uh, the basketball team, probably the most famous Olympian from UT 
in this Olympics. Kevin Durant, the most famous player on this year's iteration of the team, not off to the hottest start, uh, losing both of their first two scrimmages to Nigeria, who uh, I went to the game that was in Houston before the last Olympics, and I think they won by 40. Uh, they beat them by 80 in the time before that. And so losing Nigeria set off some alarms. And then losing to Australia, who legitimately is a, a medal contender, <laughs> is very good, could be a rematch in the Olympics. But this team needs to get sharpened. They need to play together. Uh, they need to do the things that are best. Don't panic just yet. Kevin Durant is not going to sabotage our fair nation. I think when when the lights are bright, this team will will be okay. Gerald, are you, are you extremely worried about... U.S. men's basketball? I don't think so. I mean, this is a team that, like, they didn't even know who was going to be on the roster based upon NBA final schedules, like, up until a couple weeks before um, it was time to suit up and, and get ready. And so, like, I'm not super worried about it. Um, the The advantage that the U.S. has is, like, when every team maybe has, like, one NBA star-ish, right? If you can call Patty Mills a star at this point in his career. You can. Like, Patty Mills you, is a star. <laughs> Okay, you can call Patty Mills a star, but like <laughs> the U.S. team has like three or four guys. It's like, yeah, they'd they'd be head and shoulders above everybody else on on the opposing team. So they'll they'll gel. They'll find they'll find a way to get it done. I have very little doubts. I mean, Kevin Kevin Durant is one of the two to three best basketball players walking on the face of the planet right now. So like, I think they'll be okay. All right, so keep it with basketball a little bit. The NBA Finals are going on. We have one Longhorn uh, to view this through. Uh, that's P.J. Tucker, his Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, as of Wednesday, a uh, game later tonight, are down 2-1, heading into, again, Wednesday, game four. So you'll you'll know the score before we do when you listen to this. But in game game three, Bucks won. But P.J., wonderful shoes and all. Got dunked into utter oblivion. He tried to draw a charge again. PJ's a gritty guy. He'll he'll take some hits. He plays defense. He does the things he's supposed to. When you do that, you risk getting postered. And it was a good dunk. It was a real good dunk. It was a real good highlight clip. But if y'all haven't seen it, the French audio of him, it involves a guy with a, <laughs> a, a Dikembe Mutombo-level baritone and another guy uh, who has the opposite. Uh, I don't know my, my songs, but one is very deep and one's high. Um, basically going on, and at one point he says, Oh, ooh la la, and it is just, it, it's just you, you got to see it. It's, it hurts to watch PJ, our, our beloved PJ, get dunked on so many times. But A, they won the game. Uh, and B, again, he won the, the locker room with the, with the, with the sneaker walk-in and walk out. So, uh, you know, hoping, hoping the Bucks can, can pull this thing off, although I am kind of, if it wasn't for PJ, I kind of like the Sun story and Chris Paul. But let's keep it moving, Gerald. One of my favorite Longhorn stories of the week, we talked a lot about NIL and the football. Texas volleyball players Logan Eggleston, Asia O'Neal, Jenna Gabriel all signed NIL deals with degree that's the deodorant not what you receive from university uh but i just think that's awesome like i for some reason that one jumped out at me and i loved it uh where's that rank in your nil deals as they've rolled out so far top 10 top five for sure yeah i mean um you can't rank cameos right because they're that's not really an nil deal that's just like hey pay me money and i'll say stuff um because if so then Bijan and jordan whittington both jordan whittington's you can probably get him he's like relatively cost effective if you're trying to keep it under budget um you know obviously Bijan with Canes is fun um I'm waiting for who the linemen land with 
for the for their brunch with the mm. bigs before I make my final verdict. Because like if they end up at Whitfields with Casey Studdard, there's nothing that can rival that ever in my mind. So like that's really the one that I'm waiting to see how it shakes out. Studdard actually mentioned uh, either on Twitter or on radio and said they need to earn it, uh, which I loved. They, he needs to see how good <laughs> these boys are if they earn brunching with him, uh, Whitfield, which I, I, I love. Good old Casey. Um, all right. So we talked Olympics coming up. We've also got uh, the World Championships and the U23 World Championships in various sports often feature you know, college players. And so, of course, the national champion uh, UT rowing team was well represented in the U23 World Rowing Championships. All-American Fran uh, Raggy was, uh, along with Anna Jensen, gold medal winners with Team USA in the women's eight. Uh, uh, Raggy also won silver with the women's four. And then uh, not just representing the U.S., Susan Temming was on the silver medal winning Netherlands team. So basically, if you had a longhorn in your boat, you were gold or silver baby so uh row 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 your boat i love to see it jared let's keep it moving now uh we are in late stage pandemic but we are still tuning in on our giant screens as we come to this segment to close out our thursday show the godzilla tron gerald what are you watching on your giant screen I just transitioned to fully remote work, so I will never leave my house again. So this will always be germane <laughs> for me. Uh, so uh, like many of you, my wife and I took in Black Widow over the weekend. Again, we dropped the 30 bucks to get the Disney Plus Watch It at Home so you don't have to pay a sitter and buy movie tickets deal, uh, which was significantly cheaper than buying two $15 movie tickets and paying somebody to sit on my couch and watch my Netflix while my kids sleep. Um, so we saw that. I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was really, really good. Uh, I, I like the the more espionage um, less like cosmic Marvel stuff. I enjoy Captain America, the Winter Soldier is probably still one of my favorites. I loved Falcon and the Winter Soldier as well. So always enjoyed. Um, started a rewatch of The Sopranos and Again, nice. always as good as advertised. Again, uh, that one if you if if you um if you don't like the the um, the adult content, go ahead and probably just don't take that recommendation. But um, the thing I love about The Sopranos is it succeeded where I feel like Breaking Bad failed, where you like you cheer for this terrible human being. You're like, I want everything to work out for Tony, even though he is easily the worst person that is walking the face of New Jersey currently. Uh, you cheer for him even though you're like, you're awful and you deserve only bad things, but you kind of want to see him be successful in his criminal ventures. Worst person in Sopranos is a, is a very interesting stuff. Uh, you could, you could make some, uh, you could make some, 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 some questions there about it, whether Tony is actually number one. Richie April is, is, is pretty tough. I'm not sure how far you are in there. Ralph Cifaretto also just while a wonderful character and caricature, uh, I could talk Sopranos for days. One of my favorite shows of all time did a rewatch at the beginning of the quarantine first watch for my wife, just wonderful show. Her karm is, is her best accent work. Um, I, 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 we could talk more, Joe, when you get up, I'll just, we'll make this a, a, a sub podcast. and We'll just talk. Sopranos every week. But uh, while you're keeping it germane, I'm going to keep it Tito um, if we're doing Jackson 5s. And uh, what what, what I have watched, I waited a minute to get that joke in there. What I have watched is uh, is the Euro final, Euro 2020, again, slash 21 final, which was some of the best drama, like TNT. uh, They know it. Uh, And England, 
I did not think they could find a more heartbreaking way to lose. And I was rooting for England, full transparency. Like the Italian team a lot, so I didn't really have a, a strong nemesis in the final. Um, but England, score in the second minute. Don't score again the rest of the game. Go all of the extra times. Go to penalties. Save some penalties and still lose. It is just the ways that England has found over the past six decades to not win are almost more impressive than what any other team in any other sport have found to win. I saw someone, uh, one of the men in Blazers guys on Twitter say, England used to be the New York Knicks uh, of, of, of international soccer, and they've upgraded to uh, Jim Kelly's Buffalo Bills. Just, just at least they're relevantly breaking your heart in important games now. Um, but it was fun. It was a great month of TV about the only thing I watched consistently. I did start back up Search Party on HBO, which is getting better and better, actually. I mentioned in the beginning I was a bit skeptical. My wife liked it. And it just something about it didn't feel like I was going to like it. I was wrong. I have liked it quite a bit. Again, relatively adult content and theme, but uh, it mocks millennials satirically perfect. Um, and started the first episode of Last Chance You basketball as a as a background kind of kind of filler and ended up just couldn't take my eyes off it I really like it didn't think I was it was going to be able to capture the magic of what the the football had done but so far there are hour episodes and an hour of watching it um, I've been really drawn into coach and, and players lives and seems to be interesting so I'll update a bit more when I when I've consumed a bit more of that but uh, I'm happy to be back on this Godzillatron horse after for really being absent with life coming at me happy to uh, to get back in here and uh, and keep it Tito. So that's it. Is Last Chance You the best sports documentary? Not the Last Dance of the last several years. Like you got Last Dance is obviously number one, but like, is it like the second best sports documentary of the last couple of years? When I can't think th- of one that rivals that series. When you th- well, uh, f- uh, the Formula One is the is the, actually the answer. It's the mm. best. The the F one okay. yep. whatever it's called. Um, it is. I have at least probably a half dozen people who I know. I have talked to this conversation who've said. I had no interest in Formula One, and now I'm like, I love it. I'm into it. It just, it will, it's so well done that you don't have to like it going in, but you're most likely going to like it coming out. Athlete A was really good. I cried. It's really tough to watch. Um, I don't know if it's like the best documentary, but it was just such a like, it's about the Michigan State um, sex scandal athletes. And uh, uh, man, it's just, it's a tough watch. It's great in that sense. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, but uh, yes, yes, I will say that to, to not end on a downer, um, that uh, Last Chance U is is one of the best for sure and one of the most flexible. The fact that they have gone to three different locations in football, you know, they've uh, typically like a show, you, you have your characters. Think about, you know, Saved by the Bell college years or, or, uh, or you know, after the the... the Oh, no, what was the one? Laguna Beach. You know, it's hard to go to the hills and the this and that. You can't just change your central cast and expect to succeed. But Last Chance U has, has done it uh, pretty well. So maybe they're the most flexible uh, documentary or, or uh, reality show I've, I've seen as well. Allowable. I haven't watched the uh, U.S. Women's National Team uh, documentary, but I'm sure that one will be as good as well. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodridge. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook them. It's 925.
p.m. And OU still sucks. Hook them. <laughs>